of the real estate tax public hearing. If, yes, sir, please come forward. My name is Ryan Chapman. I live at 1004 Warrenoka Avenue in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I like no new taxes on real estate, Mr. Mayor. Thank you. Thank you for coming. All right, the real estate tax public hearing is closed. The Norfolk City Council is now in session. Please uh, remain standing for the prayer given by Reverend uh, Derek Coleman of Christ United Methodist Church. And please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Let us pray. Eternal God, we thank you for the life you have given us all. We thank you for giving us another day to share with you in your creation. We ask that your spirit will be present with us to give wisdom and courage to our elected leaders and to those of us here gathered, that through the wisdom and courage you provide, we will be able to discuss and discern the right actions to take for the health and welfare for the people of the city of Norfolk. Enable us, gracious God, the citizens of Norfolk to live responsibly in your eyes and peaceably with one another so that when this body meets again, we can all give thanks to you for life again. Amen. Amen. Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Clerk, call the roll. Ms. Graves? Here. Ms. Johnson? Here. Ms. McClellan? Here. Mr. Smigel? Here. Mr. Thomas? Here. Dr. Wibley? Here. Mr. Alexander? Here. The motion is to dispense with the reading of the minutes of our previous meeting. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Smigel? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. Mr. Clerk, please read the resolution certifying the closed meeting. A resolution certifying a closed meeting of the Council of the City of Norfolk held in accordance with the provisions of the Virginia Freedom of Information Act. Adopt the res resolution, Ms. Graves. Aye. Ms. Johnson. Aye. Ms. McClellan. Aye. Mr. Smeagle. Aye. Mr. Thomas. Aye. Dr. Wibley. Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. Uh, good evening. For the benefit of those who do not regularly attend the City Council, the, the procedure that we'll follow tonight is as follows. We'll first take up ceremonial items. Next, we'll take up public hearings. Then the consent agenda, which will be voted on in a block. If a member of the council or the public wishes to discuss an item, that item will be removed from the block and considered separately. Following the consent agenda, we'll take up regular agenda items in the order as they appear on your docket. Upon the completion of the agenda, we'll then take up any new business to come before the council. To address the council, you should have registered to speak in the lobby outside the council chamber before 7 p.m. When your name is called, please come to the podium, state your name and your address, and please limit your comments to three minutes. <clears throat> Mr. Clerk, record note that Mr. Riddick is here. Yes, sir. I've got him. 
Here. Right. Here, Mr. Vick. All right. Um, Mr. Clark, there are no ceremony items, so we'll move right into um, PH1. Public hearing one scheduled for this day under state law to, uh, to amend uh, on the application of the City Planning Commission to amend Section 11-3 Floodplain Coastal Hazard Overlay Districts of the City Zoning Ordinance to clarify requirements for accessory structures and to clarify terms and by 7-0 vote Planning Commission recommends approval. Let's click call the roll. I have an ordinance to amend and reordain sections 11-3.7 and 11-3.12 of the zoning ordinance so as to update certain provisions of the floodplain coastal hazard overlay districts relating to accessory structures. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Rick? Aye. Mr. Smigel? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. PH2? Public hearing two scheduled for this day on the application of Monument Development 7 LLC to designate the existing structure as a Norfolk historic landmark on property located at 529 West 24th Street and by 7-0 vote Planning Commission recommends approval. Uh, to answer any questions, we have Tom Dickey, we have Chris Johnson, and we have Alan Sullivan. No questions for the council? Mr. Clerk, call the roll. I have two ordinances. The first is an ordinance to designate the property at 529 West 24th Street as an Norfolk historic landmark and to amend the zoning map to show the designation. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. And the second is an ordinance granting a special exception to permit seven or more multifamily dwelling units on property located at 529 West 24th Street. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. PH3? Public hearing three scheduled for this day on the application of Hank's filling station for a change of zoning from R8 single family to C2 quarter commercial on property located at 810 43rd Street and by 7-0 vote planning commission recommends approval. Um, Rick Han and Richard Katz are here to answer any questions. Do we have any questions? Mr. Clerk, call the roll. I have three ordinances for this item. The first is an ordinance to rezone property located at 810 43rd Street from R8 to C2. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. The second is an ordinance granting a special exception authorizing the operation of an entertainment establishment with alcoholic beverages known as Hank, Hank's Filling Station on property located at 4301 Collie Avenue and 810 43rd Street. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smigel? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. The third is an ordinance granting a special exception authorizing off-premises alcohol sales at an establishment known as Hank's Filling Station on properties located at 4301 Collie Avenue and 810 43rd Street. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Uh, is this a restaurant or is it a fast food? Uh, Let me enjoy it. It's a restaurant. Okay, so off-premises, what are they going to be taking off-premises? Um, I believe it's growler fills. It's what? Growler fills. Meaning what? Um, so a growler is either a 32 or 64 ounce container um, that um, is filled at the tap um, with um, with beer. So 32 ounces to some people could be a single sale, you know. 
I don't, I don't, I don't think that we should allow them to sell be all premises. If they're going to make money, let them make it inside the house. That's that's just me. Um, I wish we had, you know, had seen it. Um, you know, I know that sometimes when a, a patron is at a restaurant and they have not finished uh, maybe a, a, a bottle of wine, you're able to cork it and take it out. But this is to just for this is some, somebody can come in with a container and buy beer or what? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, I, I, have we already voted? You voted yes, but um, no. Can you change your vote? Yeah. You can change your vote. Yeah, my vote is going to be no, and I really wish, you know, that we had had a, a heads up or the next time something like this comes along. You know, I know a whole lot of things are changed as far as restaurants are concerned. But that's just like we opening something in Huntersville and, and and allowing somebody to buy a quart of beer, you know, and that's not right, you know. I vote no. Mr. Smeagol, aye. Mr. Thomas, yes. Dr. Wibley, aye. Mr. Alexander, aye. Peach, four. Public hearing four scheduled for this day on the application of the City Planning Commission to amend Chapter Four Residence Districts of the zoning ordinance to include single family traditional district and for a change of zoning from R8 single family and residential compatibility overlay district to single family traditional district and planning commission recommends approval. B. Garvin Thompson. Good evening, honorable mayor. Council persons and city administrators. My name is Beatrice Garvin Thompson, resident of Old Huntersville and president of the Old Huntersville Civic League. I'm here to voice on behalf of the Old Huntersville Civic League our support for the proposal that is now before you. It is our consensus that the proposed single family traditional district and the Old Huntersville Neighborhood Housing Plan Book is in alignment with the vision and goals that we have set forth in our grassroots strategic plan. We appreciate the many hours of consultation with the architectural group and the planning department, and we commend them for capturing our vision and the, and the historic flavor of, our, of the character of our community. We further believe optimistically that by your vote tonight that you are, in fact, validating our efforts and our vision to continue working collaboratively to move our community towards one of choice. We further believe, mm, that is so important, that we envision our prime real estate in our community. We can see it being turned into tax revenue generating properties. We envision urbanites who desire to live and work in close proximity to downtown Norfolk Entertainment and Culture District to migrate to our community of Old Huntersville. We see beautiful, ornate, two-story single-family dwellings attracting both economic and ethnic diversity. Homeownership opportunities we see being created and being taken advantage of by our existing, uh, by our existing residents, and also attracting visionary individuals seeking to relocate to a quaint inner city community that is rich in tradition and character that will find a home in Old Huntersville where history is still being written. <clears throat> and we thank you so much for your attention and for your vote. Thank you. Carolyn Johnson. I'm sorry, Carolyn Lathan. Mm -hmm. 
Good evening, Mr. Mayor and Council. First of all, my name is Carolyn Latham. I live at 1819 Braces Street, and um, thank you for your service. Um, I'm here on behalf of the residents of Old Huntsville, and we asking you to uh, say yes to our plan. We worked very hard in Old Huntsville, and um, I think the plan is awesome. Um, I know it will help our community. <coughs> it will build our, our prestige. Um, our residents <clears throat> will go. Our community will grow. It will make us healthy. And I know that some people may think that it's not a good plan, but I think it is. Um, being a resident of public housing, I came from public housing, and me and my husband chose Old Huntsville because it reminded us of the old community that we came from. I came from East Ghent. My husband came from uh, Baltimore Street on the other side of Huntsville. So we chose Huntsville to grow our family. Our children are grown now, but our grandkids come um, to visit us. So we ask it for a yes vote for the councilman. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Clerk, call the roll. I have three ordinances for this item. Mr. Mayor, the first is an ordinance to amend the city's general plan so as to adopt and incorporate the Norfolk Traditional Neighborhood Plan Book and to add new action items to support and incorporate the plan in the Huntersville neighborhood. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Graves? Um, I just want to say thank you to the um, administration as well as the Planning Commission um, and those in the Planning Department for all of their work and also to the community um, of Huntersville. You guys, you guys have worked very, very hard and um, I know they're here so I'd like to ask them if they would stand so that we could recognize our old Huntersville community. This is a small representation of the old Huntersville community, but it's a very faithful representation for all the Civic League meetings and charrettes and um, task force meetings that we have. And we ask them to come out several nights during the month um, to participate and to, to um, have a say in what goes on in the community. And so this plan is more than houses. Um, it's more than tax revenue. It's about people. It's about the community. And, and it's about bringing people together and bringing people back to a part of town that is rich in history and that is still significant and relevant to the vibrancy of the city of Norfolk. So thank you for your tireless and and oftentimes unthankful or thankless um, hard work. Um, we really appreciate all of your input and you all spoke and our planning commission, our planning um, directors rather did their jobs. And so thank you to everyone that was involved in making this happen. It was truly a collaborative effort and it's something that we could not have done on our own. And we hope that moving forward, we'll share that same collaboration in other areas to make Old Huntersville the shining star that we know that it can be. I vote yes. Ms. Johnson? Um, I just want to say thank you, Team Norfolk, to the community of Huntersville. Um, I grew up on Hunter in Huntersville on Dungey Street, so I see you as my family, and I know the hard work that you've done um, in the community of Huntersville. So I just wanted to say thank you so very much. I vote aye. Ms. McClellan. 
Uh, I was riding up in the elevator the day the Huntersville story came in the newspaper, and I introduced myself to somebody who's a city employee, and I asked, uh, I asked him what he did and where he lived, and he excitedly said, I was born and raised in Huntersville. I live in Norview now, but I want to buy a lot and build one of those houses. I'm coming back. <laughs> so whatever you're doing is great, and uh, I vote yes. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smigel? Yeah. It would be great down the road to look for opportunities maybe for city employees yes. to yes. Um, get lots in that section at a cheaper rate or Teachers. some kind of incentive to live in the city of Norfolk. That would be a great model, yes. um, per particularly because it's proximity to downtown, uh, but maybe bring um, folks in that way if you want to fill those 300 lots. Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Great work. Really exciting to see a community come together like this and really believe in their neighborhood. This is exactly what we would like to have all over our city, so I applaud you all. Aye. Mr. Alexander? Yeah, I joined the council and uh, thanking uh, James Rogers and, and staff and especially Team Norfolk and, and, and B. Garvin Thompson and, and all the residents of Old Huntersville. Um, one of my first meetings after getting elected was being summoned by B uh, to come to Old Huntersville to, to show off um, what she was proposing. And uh, every night that Mr. Rogers and I are out at a Civic League, we brag uh, to the other 119 Civic Leagues about the great work that's uh, going on in Old Huntersville. I vote aye. The second ordinance is to amend Chapter 4 of the Zoning Ordinance so as to create the single-family traditional residential zoning district dispensed with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt Ms. Graves. Aye. Ms. Johnson. Aye. Ms. McClellan. Aye. Mr. Riddick. Aye. Mr. Smigel. Aye. Mr. Thomas. Aye. Dr. Wibley. Aye. Mr. Alexander. Aye. And the third is an ordinance to rezone properties in the Huntersville neighborhood to single-family traditional district. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Graves? I look forward to selling homes in Huntersville. I vote aye. <laughs> Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smigel? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. Page five. Uh, Mr. Mayor, uh, there's been a request to continue this item to the May 9 meeting. Motions continue to May 9. Ms. Graves? Oh, okay. Yes, aye. Ms. Johnson? Thank you. Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smigel? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. PH6? And likewise, Mr. Mayor, there's been a request uh, from the administration to continue this matter to May 9. Motion is to continue until May 9. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Mr. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smigel? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. C1. Um, C1 is an ordinance granting a special exception to permit uh, seven or more multifamily dwelling units on properties located at 4334 to 4350 East Little Creek Road and 7905 to 7917 Turner Road. Dispense with the charter requirement Can for reading the ordinance. Yes, um, yeah. Mr. Clerk, Mr. Smeagol has okay. a question. Yeah, um, George, uh, with that project, I, when I, I don't, is there anybody here from the East Ocean specifically? Mike Lancaster is here to answer questions. Right, as okay, well. he's with the project. Right. I just was at one that it was great. This was a project I didn't have to get involved in, which was great because the Civic League took care of it themselves. I think it went before them two times before they made improvements. But I know that on when it came before planning, there were some concerns about infrastructure not going on the other side of the road, um, that it was only going to take care of one side, and the military had some concerns 
about the flooding um, that may happen on the other side. Has that all of that been addressed um, in that I spoke with uh, Mr. Hales, who said that there maybe there should have been infrastructure on the other side of the road as well. So they're only putting curbs on the one side where the project is, but not on the other side, which is a lot with some houses on it and close to the military base. Um, so there, there are a lot of questions there. So let me try to parse it okay. and, and answer them one at a time. So um, have the issues that uh, were raised by the Navy um, from um, Little Creek been answered? The answer to that is yes. Um, their concern was to ensure that um, that portion of East Little Creek not be um, turned into a, a more substantial roadway um, and to take care of the issues of um, drainage that are in the area. With respect to where infrastructure goes, typically we do not ask a developer to um, contribute to the cost or install infrastructure on the opposite side of a public right-of-way from the, the property that they own. Um, and that would be, the, that's the case here. Um, so they are handling um, the side that, is, that they own um, and are installing the curb and the, the gutter and the sidewalk. But um, on the other side, we typically don't ask them to do that. And in this case, we, we never ever made that request of them. Right. And the only reason why I'm asking, there is no infrastructure over there at all. I mean, it's there's, old. There's, right. There's nothing, right, nothing at all. Old County. So what my, our, I guess the concern that Mr. Hills and I discussed was that if you're putting that infrastructure on the other side, what is the cause, what could happen to the other side? Um, if you're only putting infrastructure there, could it cause the water um, to impact the other property by? Oh, okay, uh, so um, stormwater management um, requires, a, requires a developer to, in essence, uh, not increase the um, amount of discharge from their site uh, post-development as compared to pre-development. Pre so adding curb um, is going to not add um, to the stormwater um, issues along that portion of, of East Little Creek. It's not, there, there's not underground um, storm sewer being added. It's just simply a curb that defines the edge of the road. Um, it's not going to increase the amount of, of um, stormwater runoff, so therefore it should have no impact um, on the other side. In addition, one of the requirements is that um, the applicant has agreed to not only meet the requirements of stormwater, but right. to go 10% above and beyond, um, so it, it definitely should not have um, a deleterious impact on the other side by, by adding curbing. And I was looking at Dunning, not um, Little Creek Road, the other side of Dunning. Sorry. Same, but it, the answer is the same. Okay, thanks. Okay, Ms. Graves. Um, you guys are getting a good builder. I know Mike personally, he's a real good builder. Um, I vote aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. R1? Mr. Mayor, uh, the applicant has requested that this matter be continued to May 23. The motion is to continue to May 23rd. Ms. Graves? Can I, how many haven't we continued this like several times. times in the past? I mean, I don't understand. What is their reason for wanting us to continue it again? To give them more time to lobby council members? Well, they can lobby all they want. I, 
mean, we don't, we don't have to accept the. What do uh, we? I don't. We don't I, have to continue. We can vote okay. if you like. Because I don't. I mean, I don't see what the point is to continue to keep continuing it. Yes. Um, I'm here to represent if you guys have questions about this. So we had initially scheduled some meetings with council members um, to meet with them prior to the meeting this evening. However, um, and actually according to that initial meetings, um, we had spoken to the city attorney. The city attorney said, okay, no problem. Go ahead and meet with them. We don't need to be present. But just prior to the meeting, uh, our meetings, the city attorney contacted us again and said, actually, we think it'd be better if we were there, which we were happy to oblige, but that required us to reschedule because the meetings we had initially scheduled with council members um, were not going to be convenient for the city attorney. Okay. Yes, my name is Olivia Wiggins. Okay. Any other questions I can answer for you all? Mr. Clerk, the, the, Mr. Riddick. Yeah, if we don't plan to meet with them, then, you know, what, what does that do? I don't plan to meet with them. I guess we can vote on the continuance, all right? Or, or we can yeah, vote we it can, up or down. We can vote the continuance, Mr. Riddick, uh, okay. up or down. Okay. Ms. Graves? Ms. Graves? No. Ms. Johnson? No. Ms. McClellan? No. Mr. Riddick? No. Mr. Smigel? No. Mr. Thomas? Yes. Dr. Wibley? Um, yes. Mr. Alexander? Yes. So I have that as uh, the motion failing. Motion failed. The motion is <coughs> um, the this item is before the council. May I read it in the record, Mr. Mayor? Please. Uh, this is an ordinance granting a special exception to permit the operation of an auto title loan establishment named Loan Max on property located at 3607 North Military Highway. Um, I suppose I don't have any option in this. However, I don't have permission from my client to to argue this tonight or, um, or from uh, the other attorneys in my firm. So, um, but... If we have to move forward with this, then I will go ahead and say um, what we are hoping to be able to say in our meetings. And that is, um, we sat down individually with quite a few of the employees of Lone Max. Um, and well, let me back up a little bit. So as you all know, um, there was a fire in February of 2017. And at that time, the loan max burned down. And also at that time, there was no determination of cause for the fire. Um, so we are still in the process now of getting a special exception, whereas initially we were grandfathered in because the business had been there since 2004. We are now at a point where um, we need to get the special exception because of the city code that requires us to get a special exception um, because of the rebuild. So in preparation for this, we met with several Lone Max attorneys to get to hear their opinions and their thoughts on working for Lone Max. Many of them have worked for Lone Max for um, a number of years. Uh, one in particular who has now moved up in the ranks, who was originally started at that location in Norfolk, has been a Norfolk resident for two plus decades, um, was speaking about her experience and um, how much um, 
this has been an opportunity for her career growth and how there are personal mini anecdotes about how Lone Max is a necessity for the community. And while that may not initially appear to be the case, you see it as um, some people see this situation as um, taking advantage of people in difficult situations. And where at first glance that may appear to be the case, in this situation, we have people who are very desperate for money, who cannot get it from banks, who cannot get it any other way, and this is their only way to pay bills, to make sure that things are getting paid on time, to put food on the table for their children. And if you speak to Lone Max uh, employees who are here in the area, who have lived here for years, they will tell you the countless times that this has been the case with clients that they've had for years and years who keep coming back, who they keep helping, who they have personally discharged loans for in order to help them. And um, how well they know their clients and the relationship they have and how their business is an actual asset to the community. And in addition, this is an opportunity for them to have jobs. It's an opportunity to bring jobs into your community. And um, so we ask that you would approve this. And we're not asking you to approve a new location or to approve, uh, approve a new business. We're asking you to let them restart the exact same business that they've been operating for years. If you look at the city planning report, they've had absolutely no issues with security, with needing um, calls for police or the fire department other than the one situation. So we ask that you would vote in favor of Lomax and letting them restart their business as is um, according to law. Could you Thank tell you. me how many Lomax locations you have in the city of Norfolk? That specific business or loan establishments as a whole? Both. Your, okay, sure. Yes. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that, that there are three total loan maxes, so our business within the community. And as far as total loan establishments in Norfolk, there are 18. 18. Yes, sir. So you're concerned that these individuals uh, wouldn't have access. Um, right. It's not valid. And that is correct. And we, we've addressed that with the employees and with corporate specifically and said, well, hey, you know, so what are we dealing with here? If they have other options, why this specific location? Well, so a lot of the clients who are coming to these locations have difficulty traveling, whether because they're sharing a car or um, yes, because you, you've they're... You've answered the question. Oh, you've okay. You've answered the question. Okay, good. Any other questions from the council? May I ask what their interest rate is? Yes. yes. Okay. Mrs. Johnson. Thank you. Miss um, Olivia Wiggins. Yes, is it? Miss Wiggins, what is your interest rate to those people who have difficulties getting to um, your businesses sure. and who continue to come back to see you time after time after time to get loans? Sure. Well, there's actually, and according to Virginia law, there is a requirement that I believe that is... Um, like varying levels depending on how much the loan is. I think it's below $700 and below there is one rate and then $700 to like maybe $2,500 there's a, a lower rate and then above that is a, a lower rate. And I don't, I can't tell you right off the top of my head, I'm sorry, I, you know, I was not expecting to have to come argue this tonight and I apologize. I don't have that number in front of me. However, I will say I have actually been researching this specific situation and if you compare what what banks can charge to individuals and what specifically state banks can charge to individuals and what loan establishments can charge to individuals. 
Virginia law states that specifically on um, state banks and then on certain loans, banks have absolutely no cap on what they can charge. And, and again, these are individuals who, if they go to these banks, who can charge any uh, interest rate that they want legally, that they still ha um, that they can't get a loan from these banks. And so they're going to spend a bunch of time trying to get a loan, then be unsuccessful and be exactly where they were when they walked through the door. But my question was, can you tell me the rates? Yeah, well, and, and I, like I said, I apologize. I don't know off the top of my head what the rates are, other than that it's a varying rate depending on what the price bracket is. All right. Any other questions by, by counsel? Mr. Clerk, call the roll. Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt, Ms. Graves. Um, I don't have a question, but I just, you know, would like to say, I, when I bought my first home in 2002, I got a, uh, my refrigerator went out and I got a uh, postcard that said free loan. Mm -hmm. And um, I was naive enough to um, utilize one of those places. And I will tell you that it took me three years mm -hmm. to get out from, un and I thought I was a smart person. Um, it took me three years to get out from under um, one of those $500 <coughs> payday type of loans and um, I see it as legal loan sharking and um, we have programs that we started here bank on in the city of Norfolk where we assist people at no charge um, in getting themselves in financial position to be able to borrow from um, normal lending establishments um, being able to we work with banks to be able to get folks microloans so that they don't have to um, utilize those types of establishments and I personally just don't like them um, and and I we have 18 I think it's 18 too many in my personal opinion so um, based on on my own personal experience with um, the high rates that you guys charge because it cost me like $75 for every $500 that I borrowed so when I borrowed twice a month I created a $150 bill every time I had to pay it back and then I had to reborrow it because I couldn't afford to give up $500 out of my paycheck when I borrowed the first $500 so um, I'm not a fan and I vote no. Ms. Johnson? No. Ms. McClellan? No. Mr. Riddick? No. Mr. Smigel? No. Mr. Thomas? I, I would say, Ms. Wiggins, you were put on the spot today and you, you, you did a pretty good job. So I'm, I'm sorry you had to follow, find yourself in these circumstances, but no. I would echo that. No. Mr. Alexander? No. Thank you. Thank you for your time. R2. R2 is a resolution to, to approve the issuance by the Joint Industrial <coughs> Development Authority of Northampton <coughs> County and, and Towns of a revenue and refunding bond in an amount not to exceed $10 million for the benefit of the Young Men's Christian Association of Southampton Roads and upon which the City of Norfolk shall not have any payment obligation. Kevin White is here to speak if there's any questions. No questions. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Adopt the resolution. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smeagol? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Wibley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. R uh, R3. An ordinance approving an extension of a lease agreement with Little Creek National Pony League, Inc. for the lease of a portion of city-owned property located at 2100 Tarleton Drive. 
Dispense with the charter requirement for reading the ordinance and adopt. Ms. Graves? Aye. Ms. Johnson? Aye. Ms. McClellan? Aye. Mr. Riddick? Aye. Mr. Smigel? Aye. Mr. Thomas? Aye. Dr. Webley? Aye. Mr. Alexander? Aye. That's all I have, Mr. Mayor. Was there one added? Um, Mr. Attorney, do you have one or is that it? I have no add-ons. Okay. All right. So now we're moving to new business. Mr. Brockerton, please come on. Good evening, Honorable Mayor Kenneth Alexander, Council Members, ladies and gentlemen. I am Kutra Brockington, President of Middletown Arch at Broad Creek Civic League. My address is 2717 Colchester Crescent. Would all members of Middletown Arch at Broad Creek Civic League please stand? Thank you, you may be seated. In November of 1993, our community was featured in the Southern Living Magazine as a wonderful example of urban revenue in the city. And this is the magazine and a copy of this in the 1993 edition, November. <laughs> Middletown Arch at Broad Creek is, is an example of urban revival in the city. Middletown Arch at Broad Creek is a lovely community in the city of Norfolk that is striving to protect the integrity of our community, maintain our property values, make our community safe, and continue to be a community of choice. In this endeavor, we request your assistance. Recently, we have reviewed the standard operating procedures for the Department of Public Works Division of Transportation parking on public right-of-way, and we believe several changes have been made on Park Crescent that are not in compliance with the procedures. Signs restricting parking between the hours of 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. have been covered or removed. These signs were necessary to prevent problems with the delivery of mail, street sweeping, trash collection, and crime. We believe any changes in this nature should come to the attention of the Civic League and all households within the area affected by the sign changes. The Middletown Arch at Broad Creek is aware and in support of the petition signed by the residents in 2800-2040 block of Colchester Crescent requesting residential parking permits. Your attention to these sign changes and residential parking permit Crest will be appreciated. I also have a copy of that uh, request that we put in for the signs. And we only uh, put this request in is when someone had moved the signs and had just taken the signs down and had not communicated in any form or fashion with the residents or the citizens. I mean, you know, all the citizens in that area where the signs have been taken down. Thank you. Thank you. Bob Brown. Can I, can I speak yes. to that for a second? Please stay, Mr. Proctor. <clears throat> uh, there seems to be issues uh, in regards to the community getting uh, the no parking signs up. And based on um, uh, John Stevenson and Delma Drake, it could take as, as, as much as two years and to, you know, to get this addressed. The community is concerned about the integrity of the community, resale value, home values, uh, possibility of uh, that it becomes a haven for renters, where 
an individual uh, would be able to come home, know there'll be a parking <coughs> space there, and and all of the, the issues that a, com a community has is, is is what they're concerned about. And one of the questions I was supposed to ask the uh, city attorney, can we request a public hearing from this level uh, to have the parking reinstalled there? <coughs> and if you need to get back to me, you Winter, can. Uh, that, um, for parking that's been taking off cycle, right. that, that, as you were saying earlier, is within the will of the council. Right. Um, so so it, it, if there's parking that it, spaces where it's been prohibited, it's absolutely within this council's discretion to allow parking there. Okay. Let me add, um, Winter, please, I want to add something. Okay, thank you. Um, uh, evening, Mayor, members of City Council. I'm going to give Breck something here really quickly. with you okay um, so what you're going to get is kind of bullets on what the residential parking per permit program is and I, I think he knows well <clears throat> you'll get a map as well that shows where you have RPPs P's in in our city and zone 8 is the one that we're talking about this evening and um, mr. Riddick was kind enough to give a, a heads up to mr. Stevenson and Ms. Drake earlier and so they got me to speed um, today actually and so what you'll find from the program itself, it's one that's been around since 1983 and impacts many of your wards um, in different uh, neighborhoods. Uh, principally, we're talking about Middletown Arch, which already has a residential parking permit program there. And I think it was 1995 that was somewhere around there. And so two, since 2003, we haven't had an additional street. So the signage, some of the hiccups we saw with it when we first put it in place, we actually put up signs that I think were covered. And when we recently, there are two variables that you have to meet in this program, one of which is you have to have 75% of the community that say, yes, we want a residential permit parking program, which they've met, hands down. And then what has to happen, the second bullet, and you'll see it there, is you have to show that at, at a certain point, and we come back at different times during the day, that 70% 70, 70 I want to get the language correct here, 70% of the legal available on-street parking spaces must be occupied. And so when our staff went back and looked at certain times in this particular area, they found that it didn't meet that threshold. There wasn't 70% of those spaces occupied. It was more like 30%. And I think what Middletown Arts wrestles with is not unlike what we wrestle with at ODU. You have students who are in there that take up parking, that try to walk or try to figure out a way to, um, to make it to class without maybe buying a permit on at Norfolk State. Is that right, sir? Yes. And so... For us, the program itself, two variables again. The community member, they're 75%. We didn't see the 70% occupied when we went out and looked. The, the question that Mr. Riddick posed to Mr. Pishko could be one that, looking at the program, it's a due process question. We, by the two variables, one, the, the community met the 75%. We, and looking at it as staff level, didn't see that 70% of the parking was occupied when we went out. And it could be because we're, we're quickly approaching Mother's Day that maybe many of our students have already gone home or started to matriculate, depending. Um, it's not to say that we don't think that there's that, that girth or burden that they see because they already have the RPPP in place. Um, for us, it's just that when we went back and did that second part of the test, it, it wasn't met. And so for us, the two years, Mr. Riddick, I'm, I'm not certain where Mr. <coughs> Mr. Drake and Mr. Stevenson were talking about, that's a, an inordinate amount of period of time. Um, the question, I think, would be, 
procedural one. If not having met the two lithmus, can you then forego uh, the process as it is and, and require a public hearing as you requested? So that's just my simple understanding <coughs> of it, Mr. You Williams. know, um, one of the things that concerns me as well as most of the residents, uh, they had this back in the 90s. You, Thelma, John might have been here, you know, at that time. I don't know. But none of you were here. And so here's a community. Here's a, here's a, a community that invested in Norfolk. Mm -hmm. if, you look at the, if you look at the, I guess you say, the scorecard of these residents, they could have lived anywhere. And so now they are trying to protect the integrity of their community. If, you know, there, there are times that trash collectors can't collect the trash mm -hmm. because of parking. And so I just really believe that we owe this community a debt of gratitude for taking a chance on Norfolk. Nobody told, you know, I mean, nobody can, nobody in this building can, can say who dropped the ball. They had everything that they wanted, you know, for the community. But somehow somebody arbitrarily, you know, went out and, uh, you know, dropped and, and dropped the ball. Now, there's some very uh, cloudy history of some of the residents that I won't talk about uh, as far as parking is concerned that I happen to know about. <clears throat> because um, a lot of it has to do with uh, parking and uh, doing Norfolk State's football game mm -hmm. on Middletown Arch that goes through there. Uh, I think that's the main street that goes through. Yeah. And so there was a former president of one of the civic leagues out there that put a lot of pressure on the police department to do some things. I really believe that this council <coughs> needs to allow all of these, these graphs and, 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 and winter, we really appreciate yes, sir. Uh, all of you and your efforts, but I don't think this community should have to suffer through that when they, they had what they wanted when they moved there. So could it be that we adopt a different standard for um, neighborhoods that are located by colleges. Yeah. It, I mean, it, wouldn't it be just that simple? Maybe the 70% is too high because of the fluctuating students um, when campus goes. Would, would it be something that we could look into? Certainly. And, Mayor? I mean, why don't you let us, I think we're all like-minded, all trying to get to the same yes, place. Let us bring you some options just along the lines of what Mr. Schmeagel said and come back yeah. and rather than trying to figure it out on the fly, okay. we'll bring you some options right. at your next worst session. I think that's the, the, right, uh, the right way to go, but I want to hear from Mrs. Sure. Graves and Mrs. Johnson. I think whatever option you bring, we need to bring it to the community as well. I don't think it should be just brought to the council sure. and then we sit here, you know, in all our wonder and say... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and say what's great, what's best for the community when we don't physically live there. Um, so I think that whatever the <coughs> options are, we need to share those options with the community, let the community decide what they like, and then bring back to the um, council what, the, what out of a, B, or C, what options the community thinks will work best for them um, because they live there and we don't. All right, Mrs. Johnson. Good evening. Um, I can say I do live there. Um, I am blocks away from Middletown Arch. And just to give you a little background, as Civic League President of Broad Creek, um, it was very important to me that Middletown Arch and Stonebridge, um, both communities, became at Broad Creek. 
because we see ourselves as yeah. one. And being that I do live there, I, I do understand what the community of uh, Middletown Arch has to deal with um, because my community is dealing with the same thing, Mr. Uh, Brockington. So I can um, say that I do know what's going on in your community because I am only blocks away. And I want to say thank you to you and the community um, Middletown Arch at Broad Creek for coming out tonight um, and speaking on behalf of your community. May I say something? Yes, um, the last of least. Mr. Brock, to get to the microphone, oh. so I can hear you. Okay. May I say something? Yes, um, the most important thing that our community wants, as Paul has spoken well, prior, we have already had signs. So we're saying if you're going to remove our signs to yes. wait to do your the analysis for the new petition, then leave our signs in place until you decide on what you're going to do with that petition. Mm -hmm. But what you what has been done, they have removed the signs mm -hmm. and have created a greater problem mm -hmm. in parking. And then in the process of removing the signs, no one notified anyone in the community mm -hmm. or the Civic League. And when we call to investigate what is happening, no one can really give us any figures of who authorized the removal of the signs. Mm -hmm. It's a mystery about that. Mm -hmm. And so we want our signs back until they decide on whatever they, if they're going to give us the residential parking. Thank you, Mr. Parker. Okay. Yes. Andrea. I'm sorry, but I also have um, some constituents who also contacted me about the RPPP this week as mm -hmm. well. So I also learned about this. And I'm curious uh, what your experience is. Did you previously receive an automatic renewal for your permits, and has that changed recently? No, we haven't. Okay. I, I think there's an opportunity to look at that as well when we're analyzing this. So. We can give you some back. Great. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Barkett. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Too. Okay. All right, Mr. Bob Brown. Good evening, Mayor Alexander, <coughs> members of council, Mr. Visco, Mr. Dowdy, Mr. Smith. Thank you for hearing me. My name is Bob Brown. I live at 8507 Troy Street, and I'm a founding member of Citizens Recall Committee. And for the past 15 months, we've been dedicated to one goal, and that was to remove Mr. Burfitt from office. Well, we weren't able to successfully do that, but as you know, Ron Batliner was, and Anthony Burfitt has now been convicted, and Judge Martin removed him from office. Now, that's going to obviously go to the state Supreme Court, and it's probably going to be five months, and it's a very slim argument, to be honest with you. So it's very possible that that removal could be reversed. I, that said, I seriously doubt Mr. Burfitt will ever return to the treasurer's office. He's got a huge uphill battle with his legal appeals to, to state and even if it is judge martin's decision is removed is reversed as you know we changed the law and mr burford will stay suspended if that it, that decision of judge martin is not upheld now our concern is about the council's recommendation of stanley stein i in no way in any form will ever malign the name the good name of stanley stein he's a excellent public servant for the city of norfolk he's served the city well for 40 years However, I do have concerns about his judgment during the Tybest uh, drama. He worked with Mr. Burfoot to select RFPs. Mr. Brown, let me uh, just um, give you more time. But the council has not recommended anybody. Okay, well, I, that was the mayor. I hear 
My phone rings all hours <coughs> of the night. This has been a 15-month saga for me. You'd be surprised. You probably wouldn't be surprised what I hear. I hear a lot of hearsay, but I have some very good sources who were with in the city. And like I said, Stanislaw's an excellent man, and I know that I have no say whatsoever. It's up to, if you read the Code of Virginia, it says the chief deputy shall take over, but they have to live in Norfolk. And since no one currently lives in Norfolk, it is entire up to the judicial. And if the judicial can't decide, it's up to the chief justice. And it's out there that y'all had recommended. I don't know if that's hearsay, but that was the perception that is in the community. And Stanley Stein's a good man. But we did have concerns that the fact that he helped Mr. Burfett with the RFPs at Tyvest which was against the Builders Guild. If in order to be selected as a builder for, for Tyvus, you were supposed to be a member of the Builders Guild and you weren't. And those procedures were were abrogated and that was our concern about Mr. Snyder. Nothing about his character or his willingness to do anything illegal. He was met astray by Mr. Burfitt and Mr. Burfitt's a very persuasive individual. I understand that. He didn't get where he did where he is. That said, he's in prison now. He won't be returning. Judge Martin's decision could be reversed. We just would ask that you would, if you do have any sway, that you know maybe you would reach out to, to, to restore confidence to the tre treasurer's office, someone like a Vivian Page or Jim McDonald, or even even Carl Cox. Carl Cox was fired by Stanley Stein. It's It's been a lot of political mayhem in that office. And more than anything, the citizens in Norfolk just want to have trust in city government. And so it's just that our position that we would like to see someone outside the treasurer's office. And the other point that I make as I emailed all of you is the fact that there hasn't been a total financial audit of the treasurer's office. Yes, there's been audits, procedural audits, and there's turnover audits on a regular basis as administrations change. But I sat in a federal trial for almost every day with Frank Graves, who was a city auditor for 25 years. And he told me there had not been a full financial audit in 25 years. It's far past time for a full audit, particularly what we've been through. And we were recommend to the council that you form an audit committee and certain questions be asked. I had people come to me saying that Burfoot would cut deals with people. They, they were behind on their taxes. And they would send someone, I'm not mentioning names, but someone from the office would be sent to cut a deal. You give us this amount of money, we'll write off the tax. I don't know. It's hearsay, but it certainly needs looking into. And I would appreciate the council's uh, Concern about Thank the same thing. Thank you very thing. much, Mr. Brown. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Mayor. Michael J. Muhammad. <clears throat> Your three-minute time will work for me like it worked for them. It does, sir. Man, I'm serious. Y'all got some serious issues with your selective process. Mr. State how your you name all, and your address, sir. Oh, how you choose to do business and your selective process, Michael Mr. Muhammad. 1216 Curry Court, Norfolk, Virginia. Welcome. I'm before you again to speak about your city attorney. Several issues have come up here tonight where ambiguity and just confusion has come as a result of interaction with your attorney. You say the city has not taken a position, but if your attorney has taken a position, then the city has taken a position. Ex parte hearings with judges using his office to have websites taken down, using his office to cover for school administrators who are also councilmen, using his office to settle suits with the Omar Johnson family, knowing full well that his daughter had personal involvement with Omar Johnson, 
I mean, this stuff goes on and on and on, and no other employee in any corporate setting would be allowed because of personal relationships, friendships, and respect. I don't care who your father-in-law is, who your family is, just like the Prince Bookstore in one of the DECA's buildings, constantly negotiating contracts that are beneficial to him personally. This continues, handshake deals with Buddy Gadams, handshake deals with Vincent Mastraka. Where does it end? Where do you all get the intestinal fortitude to stand up and say enough is enough, the embarrassment is enough, and we're gonna do something? And even when you do that, when will you all stop the selective processing of how you handle business? It's very rude, it's very disrespectful just to have council members texting and tweeting while you're trying to talk. It's rude, and people wouldn't do that to you. But this council, if it is to be respected, and the government that Mr. Brown is to be talked about, talking about is to be respected, then this council has to take a position and stand on it. Be men and women of integrity and stop the backroom peddling. Bernard Pishko is a problem for the citizens of Norfolk, for the council of Norfolk, and he will continue to do what he does to bring about his own personal feelings. No other citizen or uh, employee can walk around and have the autonomous behavior that this man has. His office is overbearing on small businesses, on citizens taking personal shots and attacks at citizens. Where does it all start? And the problem even goes further that if you all can't handle it, then maybe we need to start looking at removing you all. You all have to address these issues. The, the federal government, the director for the FBI's regional office, wrote a letter to the editor the other day begging citizens to use a hotline to report crime and corruption because they can't trust you all to do it. Mr. Burford should not be a scapegoat for years and years of tarnish that has been brought on this city. And even during his trial, he testified <coughs> that much of what he did was at the advice of the city attorney, Bernard Pishko. Where does it all begin and where does it all end? When will you all take the real serious business of the citizens of this city before the public and do what is necessary. And furthermore, I want the emails that have been mishailed by Mr. Pishko under attorney-client privilege when he had no client that he has a privilege. That is personal. It's a conflict of interest on the part of Mr. Pishko. It's a conflict of interest on the part of Mr. Smeagol. And if you all suborn it, it's a, part, a conflict of interest on your part. Something you. has to give. Thank you, Mr. Muhammad. Daniel again. <laughs> My name is Danny Lee Ginn. I reside at 3844 Dare Circle. Uh, this apparently is not going to be a good night for you people. Uh, I've been coming in here, and I'll follow up Mr. Muhammad. Uh, we have a, a lot of distrust for you people. Uh, you may laugh, uh, you may giggle, you may slap each other on the back, uh, but we are, are getting very, very frustrated as citizens of the city. Uh, I have addressed an issue uh, in regards to your rules of conduct at this very podium. Uh, it had been initially started uh, in April of 2015. Uh, you 
did a second jive. You established your own rules of conduct. And I guess thought I was not smart enough to read the entire 16 pages, which I did, and found out that what you did to insult all of us, including every citizen as a city, is you took the rules that were, as I pointed out, were unconstitutional and stripped every citizen of their freedom of speech in this uh, podium, uh, which in turn you can enforce legally uh, if you attempted to show uh, shut someone down because they criticized you or you didn't want to hear them or you talked about somebody uh, that upset you. Uh, the third thing that needs to be addressed in regards uh, to uh, this, this uh, rule is the fact um, that basically why was it done? When you pass legislation for the city, it is supposed to be for the good of the people, the good of the majority. But this article in Section 5, uh, A, B, C, D, and E, was passed for one and only one person. It was, it was passed to put down an individual who played by your rules for 10 years, who, uh, who came in here and conducted himself uh, in a manner uh, that you uh, instructed him to do so, and yet you wanted to put him down. You wanted to, to send him running out of here with his tails between his legs by creating such a uh, insulting document uh, that it would not only strip him of his rights to represent himself, but strip the rights and freedom of speech of every citizen of the city. And it's time, as I heard you uh, in the informal session, to be bold. Bold means to say, this is wrong. This is a wrong document. It was done for the wrong reasons, and we are going to get rid of it. Uh, we're not going to conduct ourselves. It was not necessary for decades before uh, April 2015th. It is not necessary now. We know how to conduct ourselves. We know how to work within the three-minute limit. We know how to make our points. And it's time for all of you to be bold and to act in that manner for all of us.